house today. Appreciate you for coming. Um, I want to go through this word and this message today because it's funny times that we're living in. And um, <clears throat> just want everybody to understand that uh, we are in a real spiritual warfare right now for the soul of mankind and for our, as a collective and as well as ourselves in, uh, individually. And this war is intensifying. It's intensifying because we're getting closer and closer to the end. And as we're getting closer and closer to the end, um, there's an awakening that's taking place all over this planet. Um, you're going to see that God is pouring out his spirit upon a variety of flesh in these days. And as he's pouring out his spirit, um, a lot of uh, falsehoods that came from the dragon's mouth, um, lies and deceptions are being covered, and the truth is being wrong like a trumpet being blown into the earth right now. And one of the main themes of the last days is, um, is everything's going to be predicated around deception. Deception. That's why those who have ears to hear um, and eyes to see, you got to be watchmen. You got to be watchmen on your own independent soul. If you're a head of a household, you got to be watching over the, over the uh, ones that God has made you a priest over that home for. Um, even in this house, even in ministry, you got to be a watchman. One of the biggest spirits and attacks on any church is um, is that principalities wants to silence the prophetic voice of a house. And the reason why it wants to silence the prophetic voice of a house, because if you don't have no prophetic voice and no watchman standing, then anything can come and take you out by ambush um, that's going on in the world. Because you got nobody standing there signing the alarm. And that is our assignment. And one of the things we got to understand, the book of Jeremiah 16, 19 says, that the Lord is my strength and my fortress, my refuge in the days of afflictions. And listen to this carefully. He said that the Gentiles shall come unto thee from the ends of the earth. When it says from the ends of the earth, it's not talking about one part of the planet to the next. Ends of the earth is a dispensation of time, which revel, um, correlates with the last days. In the last days, the Gentiles are going to come to God and to God's people. And they're going to say, surely our fathers have inherited lives vanity and things wherein there is no profit and we're entering to that realm to where you're beginning to see and people begin to wake up um gentiles hebrews um alike they're waking up to the knowledge and understanding that they've been misled the things that they put their first knowledge in and understanding in was a bunch of falsehoods people begin to realize and understand this whole thing called christianity okay all right, and understanding how to differentiate between real Christianity, which is what always been called the way, and Jesus Christ operating and teaching mankind the way, because that's what it was called, and we was disciples in Christ, okay? Because Christian, to be called Christian, means that uh, you're coming in Christ's name. And the book of Matthew said, those many shall come in my name, saying that I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. Deception was going to enter into this realm through this religion called Christianity. Christ came to establish a relationship through law, statute, and commandments with the creator, getting us back to where we once were in the garden. And that's why our message is going to take place today. Um, my title of my message today is called Let There Be Light. And we're going to begin um, in the beginning. We're going to go back to Genesis real quick. So if you would, uh, you want to open up the text and follow along with me. Um, I don't have a word to try to hoop you or hype you this morning. I got a word that I want to teach you. And maybe as I teach you, everybody's going to uh, grasp their own understanding. Um, remember, I always try to um, internalize a message and make it mean something to you that's going to bring forth change in your heart, which is your mind, which is your consciousness. You understand? Your consciousness has to be changed. 
Everything that Jesus Christ taught in the New Testament was from a metaphysical standpoint. And it's all associated with your mind. Your mind is your consciousness. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, right? All right? Be ye transferred by the renewing of your what? Mind. You've got to do what a mind change has to take place in an individual. Because your mind is your heart. When the Bible talks about the heart of a man, he's talking about the mind of a man. And that has to be circumcised through the spirit, okay? All right, so let us begin. We're going to go to Genesis 1 and 1. <laughs> Y'all have it put it on the board for me, Genesis 1 and 1. Thank you. And it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And 1 and 2 says, and the earth was without form. It was void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And it says that the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Let's stop right there and give a breakdown. So in Genesis 1 and 1, we see that God had created the heavens and the earth, right? So whatever he had put into creation was established in Genesis 1 and 1. But look at Genesis 1 and 2. Something that God had already created and established have now, we see it, it has become without form. It has become voided. And it has become darkness was upon the face of the deep. Let's give you the spiritual breakdown of what's going on here. All right? One thing that you need to understand, when God created it, uh, the earth and its creation, it was perfect. And the Bible says it was good. When God created mankind, the first Adam, before he fell, he, it was good. You understand that? And the word of God said that the earth was without. See, when you, when you don't pay attention to the small words to get the correct context in which it was spoken, then you, you'll go to a whole other way of thinking. That word was the word was means to become. In the Hebrew, it's higher. When God first revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush, he said that I am that I am. That's a higher, a shot a higher. That's what he told Moses when he speak it in Hebrew. That means I become. So the world was not originally fashioned in darkness or void. All right? It had become higher. It had become voided. It had become darkness, okay, was upon the face of the deep. Now, again, I want you to internalize this message because what you're reading here, all right, symbolically is a representation of mankind. When God first created mankind, he was birthed into the light. He had communication with God. But something happened that caused man to to become voided on the inside, dark on the inside, okay? And those two words, it said, Without form. And without form in the Hebrew means to who? That means that within you have become a place of chaos, vanity, fleshly pride has risen up inside of you. And then it said it was voided. Void means boohoo. Boohoo means empty of communion. Because when we're in relationship with the Father and His Spirit dwells inside of us, then we are in communication with the Father. Okay? And we're in relationship with God. All right. And then it said that darkness was upon the face of the deep. All right. Darkness upon the face of the deep means that somewhere within man, man had turned away. That word uh, darkness is um, uh, panium in the Hebrew, which means an about face or turn away. You understand? So since man went from being this perfected creation 
that was good and established in the eyesight of God, somewhere along the line, he had turned away from God. Okay? And then let's see what God had said after that. Let's go to Genesis 1 and 3. So here's man, just like the earth. It had become void without form, darkness in it. But then God said, let there be what? Light. Mm. And then there was light. And then God saw the light, one and um, four. God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. Catch this. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning was the first day. So according to God's schedule, a new day don't begin in the morning when the sun comes up. A new day begins when the sun goes down. All right, so let me show you what's going on here with this light. Because Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the light, right? Jesus Christ is the light, right? God said, let there be light. That word light is a representation of truth. Let there be truth established again in mankind. All right? That, that word truth is um, in Hebrew is represented by the word sakal. Sakal means spiritual wisdom. So when God's trying to pour light back inside of your empty vessel or inside of your realm of darkness inside of you, okay, he's trying to pour back into you spiritual wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And that's what we're supposed to be trying to seek after every day in our walk in faith with the Most High. All right? And then after he said, let there be light, he divided the light from the darkness. Well, darkness is sin. That's the sin that's in our lives, okay? And sin represents the night because you can't see, all right? You lost your way, okay? And darkness, is the Hebrew word for darkness is shakam. Shakam, which means worldly or fleshly wisdom. We change, we have changed our spiritual wisdom with God. And this is for us people that's been walking with God. Now, I ain't talking to some non-believer. I'm talking to people that's been walking with God, know who God is, and taste the goodness of the Spirit. You know what I mean? Somewhere along the line, we allowed our spiritual wisdom to be traded in for our fleshly wisdom and our worldly wisdom. And we got to get back right. So we are born into darkness initially, which is sin, on this journey called life, with hopes to receive the light, which is um, the truth. Okay? All right? So what's taking place is here. We hear people talk about all the time about heaven and hell, right? All right, so let me give you the spiritual breakdown of heaven and hell, okay? Heaven is a construct, just like hell was a construct created by man to put fear in man. Now, there is a place called the lake of fire. There is a place called Shoal, all right, the abode of the dead. But some of those constructs was created by man to keep man oppressed and in order so that it can be ruled upon. Y'all understand that? That's where you get your word government, right? Because the word govern means what? To rule. To have rulership or control, right? And mint means what? That's where you get your word mentality. Mind control. That's what, that's what government means. All right? Whether it's in religion, whether it's out here in the secular. Government, when people have government over you, they're trying to have mind control over you. Keep you at a certain place where you can be manipulated and dictated to. Um, everybody with me on that? Okay, good. So what happens here in heaven, when you look at heaven, then um, you're operating in heaven as you operating in the highest realm or the highest knowledge or what we call the I am. All right. The I am is the highest realm of understanding and knowledge and thoughts that you have. That's what God wants us back to, to become. See, God's already inside of us, but we don't tap into the I am. 
And I had this uh, unique conversation with my daughter yesterday. And I gave her this, and I want to get this to the church. Anytime you say the words, I am, be very careful what follows that statement. Because every time you say, I am, there's a manifestation that's going to follow it. You hear me? Because God is I am. And when you're speaking I am, you're speaking to God in you. See, religion bounds you. That's where the word religion comes from, the uh, Greek word uh, religare, which means to bound, to constrain. Okay? So you don't want to be a part of that. So when you say I am, be very careful of the words that follow after that. Because you can tap into the God that's inside of you. Stop looking externally and in the sky for a God that's already inside of you. And I'm going to go into that here in a minute when I get into this, this creation. Because, see, God placed himself inside of you when he blew the breath of life inside of you. Right? That breath of life, okay, and that's the reason why we have the attacks that's going on in our society right now. Everything is designed to destroy and the war against the image of God in you. Because, see, God is your DNA. When God created you, he placed his name and it's written on the scroll of your body, which is your 23 chromosomes, your DNA. And I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. Your DNA locks you into God from a physical standpoint. So what Satan and man, and we're going to find out which man, what they're doing in the earth right now, they're trying to erase God's name out your body. That's why all these attacks with these biochemicals and these, this warfare that they've placed upon the world is all designed. To destroy the image of God in you. And have you fallen after the image of the beast, which is mankind. See, everybody thinks some dragon going to come do all this. No. No. Lucifer's on the earth. He's walking around with us. All right? Satan is on the earth. He has a bloodline in the earth. They running everything. You hear what I'm saying? They control everything. And that's why I, see, I keep saying the veil is being pulled back and the truth is being revealed. And these workers of iniquity are being revealed. They can't hide their dirt no more. They bold enough to try to come out the closet with it. But all you're doing is exposing yourself, bro. That's all you're doing. Let me continue. So I'm stay on my place. So you're trying to get, let's look at it from a metaphysical standpoint. When you're getting into the heaven and you're at the highest place and you're operating in the I am, then you're at the highest vibration level. Everything in this world operates off frequency and vibration. You understand that? We're all energy vessels trapped into these physical flesh bodies. You understand that? All right? So when we were operating in that, what happened was there was a change. You know, I had this dialogue with um, uh, Pastor Brenda Manley about what mankind was before the fall when they was in the garden. Well, mankind was a light being, and it was vibrating at its highest level. That's how he was able to be in the, in the presence of God. But when they sinned came in, darkness fell into their soul. You see what I'm saying? So they lost their frequency. They lost their vibration. And that's the reason why when you lose your vibration and you get into a sunken place, it changes you. All right, let us continue. All right. All right, so let's, go to, let's, let's, let's fast forward this thing a little bit. And let's go to Genesis 1 and 24. And we're going to be looking at Genesis 1 and 24 through 26. I want you to catch something. Because now we're going to deal with this creation. When you have it, amen, go ahead and put it on the board, 1 and 26. 
And it reads, and God said, let us make man in our own image after our own likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowls of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female, he created him them. Let's stop right there and get some understanding. First of all, God said, let us make man. When he said he was going to make man, he said, let's make man in our own image. When God made man in his own image, it's like what I just said earlier. God's name was written upon our DNA. All right? So uh, <clears throat> that's why Christ said to his disciples um, at the time before they became apostles, he said, uh, when you have seen me, you have seen the Father, because I am a reflection of the Father. Okay? You are a reflection of the Father if you're regenerated in your mind and in your spirit. Okay? His likeness. His likeness is his uh, creative powers. Okay? We're just like God because we have creative powers. And that power of life or death lies in our what? Tongues. Same thing I told you earlier. When you speak the I am, watch what you say behind it. Because there's a manifestation that's going to take place. That's why always you're going to say I am in a sentence, always speak positive over yourself after that. If you want that manifestation to take place. Good, positive, or negative. Whatever you say behind that I am, that's what's going to happen. Everybody understand that? All right, good. <clears throat> so he, he created the male and female species of mankind. And I know we're still living under uh, Roman rule. If you don't believe that, that's where we is right now. Everything that we're doing is still predicated and goes all the way back to the old Roman Empire, Roman Catholic Church. That's why the Pope's still in power. So everything that we're doing under their rule. And under their rule, they try to put man ahead of woman. But let me tell you, understand something when he made God made male and female. Understand something, that mankind was created to be a builder of the physical realm. Everybody understand that? We was created and designed and purposed to be builders. Of this physical realm. That's why God told Adam to till, um, to, to till the garden. To keep the garden. Okay. Now, you females. Y'all power even higher than men in this one aspect. Because you females, if you ever notice a woman, a woman is more spiritual than a man. They have more intuition than a male counterpart. And the reason for that is because a female has a duality. They have a connection to the spirit world as well as the physical world. It is within the womb of a woman that both heaven or the spirit realm and the physical realm intercepts. And it's called the womb, which is known as the matrix. So you women, stop degrading yourself, putting yourself down, allowing men to use you and abuse you. Understand your temple is great. Understand that your temple connects you. Because of your creative powers that God has put inside of you, you're able to tap into the spirit realm as well as the physical all through your room. Matrix. Everybody understand that? On um, the Bible, um, Genesis 1:28 tells them to go ahead and be fruitful and multiply. Listen to the key word. He said, "Be fruitful, multiply," and then he said to replenish. If we just said be fruitful and multiply, okay, I get that. But when he injected the term replenish. Replenish means to replace, to put back again. So what are you putting back again? Are you replacing something that was already there? See, this is only for people that really desire to go deep with God. You can stay a surface Christian all your life, and that's cool. 
But me, I understand. I only got one walk. I only got one opportunity to get it right on this side of glory. And I refuse to sit down and not try to challenge my thinking and my understanding, my theology within me, if you want to call it that. And not God has gave us grace through Jesus Christ to get the understanding and the depths of the knowledge. There's mysteries to this thing called life. There's mystery to God. You know, how far you want to go in this thing is up to your own individual walk. You can stay surface all you want to. But I know you only got one time to get it right while you living. You understand that? And that is where my where I spend eternity is too much of a price to allow and depend on man to teach me where to go when I got access through Jesus Christ and his Ruach, the Holy Spirit, which is a comforter, a nurturer, and a teacher. You just got to call on him. And, and then once you call on him, ask questions. And then you will build your depthness of the word. Let's continue. I don't want to get too bogged down with that. Let's go to 1 and 30. Because I want you to see something here. Genesis 1 and 30. And he said, to every beast of the earth and to every fowl of the air and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is what? Life. <laughs> I have given thee green herb for meat, and it will sow. Let me under- interject this. When you look at the Bible and you start reading, you start hearing things said like beast of the field, get out your mind that his only thing he's talking about is four-legged creatures. Beast of the field also is a representation of mankind. You got mankind and then you got human beings. Two different creations. But they walk amongst each other. Beast of the field is equated to that. Because that word beast comes from the Hebrew word and it has life. Has life means nefesh. And it also means kai. So when they say beast of the field, these are beings that possess an immortal soul. But they also have intellectual beings. That makes up the beast of the field. In other places in the Bible, when you start reading about the beast of the field, it's going to give it a uh, connotation that shows and reflects it acting as human. Y'all understand that? This way you tap into those things like chrome magnum and um, Neanderthal and all these different things. I'm going somewhere with this. All right, so let's go to Genesis 3. And let's prove what I'm talking about. Let's start at Genesis 3 and 1. Because I want to take you to the beginning of this warfare. Where it all started at. And give you a deep, deeper understanding. So understand this. So just like the earth, man was not void or without form and confusion in the beginning. Alright? He had to become that way. So let's look at how the man became that way. So we're going to go to Genesis 3 and 1. And we're going to start out reading verses 1 through 3. And it reads. And now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God has made. And listen to this. And he said unto the woman, so if the serpent was just a beast, then why did the serpent have reasoning? Why did the serpent have as demonstrating intellect? So don't be thinking about no snake when you read this. And I'm going to break it down for you. So now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God has made. And he said unto the woman, Yeah, has God said, ye, not eat, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruits of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, 
God said you shall not eat of it, neither shall you do what? Somebody just keep along with the reading. Touch it. Touch it. Because when we read this, we overlook that one word, touch, right? <laughs> Let me give you a breakdown of what this word means, and it's going to show you that that serpent wasn't no little snake. Okay? He said, don't. Eve said, not God. Eve said, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Now, when God first gave this commandment, he gave it in Genesis uh, 2 and 17 to Adam. God never said anything about touching the fruit. Woman interjected that into that teaching right there. Okay, so, so what happened was the serpent was a beast of a field. God never said not to touch that fruit or that tree. Guess what the word touch means in Hebrew? Touch means in Hebrew, it has a definition that means to lie with a woman. So if the serpent was some snake, was some little being crawling on his belly, then why I got here it says the word touch means to lie with a woman. Going somewhere, pay attention. Because I want to destroy your theology and what you've been taught by religion. Because religion been trying to hide stuff and keep you confounded to this cookie cutter box. So it won't reveal who it really is that's operating out here in this earth and controlling the world and, and putting us in these predicaments in our societies. Let's keep going. By adding to or changing God's word, what you just did, you interjected doubt in your mind. God's word don't need no adding to or no subtraction. Okay? So it makes truth of God's word no effect and has no power. So basically what Eve did when she said not to touch it and add it to it, she leaned unto her own understanding. And the Bible says lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge God, and he shall direct thy path. Right? All right, so let's continue here. I'm going to show you something. Skip down to verse um, 13 through 16. So we have established what the serpent was. We have established what the word touch means, right? It means to lie with a woman. Let's see if. What I'm saying is correct. Let's go to um, 3 and 13. <laughs> now, God is a just God. If you commit a transgression, because we all know that sin is a transgression of a law, right? That's, that's the biblical definition of what sin is. You transgress God's law, statute, and commandments, you, you committed sin. All right? So for the laws to be done away with is a false teaching because we're judged by the laws that we break. And if the laws have been nailed at the cross and been done away with, then why are we being judged? We should be able to live freely and do what we want to do, right? The tenets of Satanism, do as thou wilt. All right? The doctrine of the Nicolaitans was spoken of in the book of Revelation, which Christ said he do hate, is once saved, always saved. You can live any way you want to because the sins have already been paid for through Christ. And we know that that's a... A road on the highway to hell, <laughs> if you believe that. All right? So let's go to Genesis 3 and uh, 13. So God is a just God. So anytime God put a judgment on you, it's going to be predicated with the sin you committed, right? All right, so let's look and see this. Let's read. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent did what? Beguiled me. And I did eat. Didn't Eve say, told the serpent um, not to touch? And we said touch means to lie with a woman? Down here, what word was used? 
and the serpent beguiled Eve. That word beguiled in Hebrew means seduced. And everybody in here, adults know, when you seduce somebody, seduction takes place. What, what, what's happening here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the Lord said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, art thou cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. And upon thy belly thou shalt go. And the dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Let's give you a breakdown of these words. So when the serpent beguiled Eve, it means nasha, which means morally seduced and cause her to sin. That fruit that she partook in is symbolic. Jesus Christ said you'll know us by the fruits in which we bear. Your fruit is your action that you do in your body. You understand that? So Eve partaking in a forbidden fruit means that she partaking in something that was forbidden at that particular time for man to be introduced to. You see what I'm saying? And God had established laws. Okay? And what I did um, in Genesis um, 1 and 24, it kept talking about every time God created a creature, he kept saying that um, after his own kind. There is a law that was placed in the earth that everything that reproduced must reproduce after its own kind. Anything that reproduces itself and is a crossbreed or a hybrid becomes an abomination to God. All right? Because it's not produced after its own kind. What took place in this garden is you end up having a offspring or a hybrid that was created that was not after its own kind. When you look at the text and put it together according to what the word contextually means in the Hebrew. Are y'all still with me? Now let's look at this. He said that he shall go upon his belly and the dust shall thou eat. Let's look at this. Upon that belly means to be made low in a degrading or degrading state. So first of all, Adam was in rulership, right? So this serpent had no power or dominion over Adam. Adam had power and dominion, dominion over this serpent. So when he's talking about going on the belly and eating the dust thereof, it's not even talking about the serpent. It's talking about that principality that used the serpent called Hashatan or Satan. God was pronouncing the judgment to Satan that he shall be brought down low. O covering sheriff, you shall be brought down low. All right? You shall go from being where you was at, that exalted place, as it talks about in the book of Isaiah 14. We're going to go there in a minute to bring understanding. But you're going to be the one brought to a low place. And then what also did it tell that serpent? That <clears throat> on that belly, right? And then he said that the dust shall thou eat. Who was created from the dust of the ground? Man. From the dust. That's what Satan does to us. He walks around as a warring lion looking for who he can do what? Devour. He's trying to kill us. He's trying to devour us. This is God pronouncing judgment to Hashatan, who used the serpent being. <laughs> and let's go to that scripture real quick. Let's go to Isaiah 14. Again, just doing this to bring understanding. Y'all still with me? Okay. I know it's not a real Christmas message, but at the end of the day, 
<laughs> we got to grow up in the spirit. We got to be able to eat some of this meat. Stop drinking milk. Milk has its, it has its place, but you fighting some principalities and some demons in your own walk that you're going to need some power. And that power is only going to come from the word. And that, word, and that power is only going to come from the understanding of the appropriate context in which the word was written and not man's doctrine. How art thou fallen, 14 and 12, excuse me. How art thou, Isaiah 14 and 12, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? The word Lucifer means halal which means to shine, to boast, means that he was praiseworthy, son of the morning. How thou cut down to the ground upon thy belly, as is spoken in the, in the garden in Genesis, which thou weakest the nation. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven, and I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also amongst the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the most high. But look what God said he's going to do to him. 14 and 15. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the pit, <laughs> to the sides of the pit. That's what we see taking place in Genesis. God pronouncing his judgment of Satan being cast down. All right, let's get back in this garden real quick. Because I want to flow on these punishments, these judgments. Because these judgments where you're going to get understanding what really took place. All right, let's go to 3 and 16. Genesis 3 and 16. Again. Let's start at 15. So the serpent got cursed. God gave him his punishment. But let's look and see what God also said to the serpent. I will put enmity, it means extreme, perpetual hatred, between thee and the woman. And between thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise thy head, meaning the woman's seed, which is a representation of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. And thou shalt bruise his heel. Bruise his heel. The, the end of a man's life is his heel. Okay? So why is that important, right there? The Bible said that I will put enmity, hatred between the woman's seed. The seed, the word seed. Let's get that real quick. The word, the word seed comes from the Hebrew word zarah, and it means offspring, children, bloodline. God was going to put hatred between the woman's bloodline or the woman's seed and the seed of a serpent. There's a serpent race that's out here operating in this world right now. And these serpent races are the ones who are uh, your world rulers, your 13 families that run everything. Their bloodline is connected to what took place in Genesis. All right? So through these bloodlines, that there was going to be hatred. For those of y'all that actually read your Bible, when you go back and you read through all throughout our Testament, every time you saw Israel, because Israel was God's weapons of war, all right? He was the people that God used to bring forth. You always saw Israel fighting and destroying the ites, right? All these different ites. Why? Because God had to preserve the bloodline of the woman and kept it pure all the way to Jesus Christ coming. Or Hamashiach coming, the Messiah coming. Because the Messiah would have came and his bloodline, his DNA would have been ter um, uh, contaminated with the serpent DNA. Then guess what? He wouldn't have been fit. He would have been disqualified to be the unblemished lamb. Sacrifice. 
So what God had to do was he had to preserve a pure bloodline of that woman all the way down from the garden all the way down to Christ coming. That's why when you look at um, Moses, I'm excuse me, not Moses, but Noah, it said that Noah was used by God, right? But it said that Noah was perfect in his what? Generations. That generation, the root word is Noah was perfect in his genes. When you look at the book of Genesis, everything is about DNA, preserving the bloodline. Even Genesis, what's the root word of Genesis? Genes. (laughs) Genes. I got to preserve their genes. I got to preserve this bloodline of the Christ because he was going to be the uh, sacrificial lamb to take away the sins of the world. And he had to be pure and unblemished. He couldn't have been a hybrid. He couldn't have a contaminated blood. That makes sense to everybody. All right, so we went over the serpent. Now, 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 let's look at the woman. <laughs> let's look at the woman. 16. And to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow, thou shalt bring forth children, and the desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall, shall have rule over thee. Let me give you the breakdown of that. What it means by he shall multiply her conception. Women, when y'all do your do and you become pregnant, conception is at the moment that the sperm and egg meets, right? That's conception. So when God says, I'm going to multiply thy sorrow and multiply thy conceptions, that means that you're going to start having twins. You're going to be birthing two, two at the same time. That's what that means right there. All right? Then it said, um, multiply that deception. Then it said, your desire shall be to your what? Husband. And he sh- shall have rule over you. Why would God's punishment, everything that God punished the woman with, had everything to do with her reproductive parts, her reproductive organs? You see that? It's going back to touching that fruit. It's going back to being beguiled by the serpent. And because God is a just God, his punishments are going to line up. The consequences are going to line up with the acts and what you do. That's the reason why. And then on top of that, when Adam and Eve first seen, what did they do? They knew they was what? Naked. Seeing always going to put you in a position of being uncovered. And then once you seen, what, what did Adam and Eve do? They went and hid themselves amongst the trees, right? And then what did they do? They took fig leaves and covered their what? They created aprons and they covered their body parts, the lower extremity. They reproductive organ was covered. Now, if all they did was eat a fruit, like Christian sanity wants you to know and believe, then why wouldn't they mock curse? Why her judgment went on her mock? The judgment went on her body parts of reproduction because Eve was made in the image and likeness of God too. She had reproductive powers. And when she had her son, who did she give glory to? She, had, she didn't give it to God. He said, I have got a child from the angel of the Lord. Go back and read that text. Is not Satan an angel? He could've, she could have easily just said, I received this man from the Lord, right? But for me, when I'm reading, and my understanding and interpretation is, when she said angel of the Lord, that gave it another kind of t- uh, context. That's why we always got to look at the small words. And what other law did Eve break? Because sin is the transgression of the law. So if she, in fact, did something 
and was seduced by this serpent, number one, she committed adultery. She broke the commandment. That's one law she, she broke. Second one, what did she do? Hmm? She went against God's law of after every kind. She broke that law, too. Because of what she, in fact, created was a hybrid. And guess what? It goes against God's order of everything after his own kind. That makes sense? All right. So when Adam and Eve was in the heavens, they were light beings. Not, um, but sin caused them to lose their vibration, their frequency, and they was brought low, to a low state. And that's where we're in. So now when we're born, we're born into that low state, and we got to raise our vibration back up. All right? All right? <clears throat> And I want you to understand something about too about Satan. Jesus Christ said he said he saw Satan fall as lightning from the heavens. You gotta understand, we give Satan too much power. We give him too much credit. Satan has limitations. Uh, several weeks ago, we was in here preaching about Job, and when you ever study Job carefully, Satan had to get permission from God to even put his hands on Job. Satan has to get permission. Any of y'all that's going through and you got issues coming up in your life, Satan has to get permission to put his hands on you. Start calling out to your father and tell him to take away Satan's permission so he can take his hands off your life. His power is controlled and constrained by God. But listen to this. Satan's attacks are based upon the level of darkness you have inside of you. So your sins are not going unchecked, unhinged. God is documenting everything. That angel assigned to your life is writing down everything that you do. And your level of attack is going to be predicated on the level of darkness you got operating in your heart and in your mind and in your spirit. The darker you are, the more in sin that you are, the greater the attack. Because darkness and light can't exist in the same realm. They can't exist inside of you. So make sure you're doing an inventory on your own self, checking your own life daily, praying, asking for forgiveness daily. Because that's going to be important. Especially when attacks come in your life, you understand why. So let's look at heaven. Heaven is when we are in conscious harmony with the great I am. But anytime our vain imaginations, worldly wisdoms fight against the divine law of God inside of us, there becomes a war in the heavens. So this is symbolic of man. Anytime our flesh begins to war with the I am inside of us, which is God, and your thoughts and imaginations begin to overcome the word of God inside of you, then there's a war taking place in the heavens. Where's the heavens at? Up here in your mind. Up here in your mind. When you look at um, Genesis 32, you're going to read about um, Jacob. Jacob wrestled with God, right? And he overcome. Let's go there. Let's go there. Let's go to Genesis 32 and 8. Excuse me. Genesis 32, verse 28. I want to point this out. So Jacob wrestled with God and said, give me this blessing. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Genesis 32, verse 28. You got to put it on the screen. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, which means supplanter, but Israel. All right. For as a prince has thou power with God and with men and has prevailed. And then when you skip down to verse 30. And Jacob called the name of that place 
Peniel, or Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. What is he talking about? He's talking about your frontal lobe, your pineal gland. That lies your conscience, as we talked about at the beginning of this message. He saw God face to face. So when you start having that war in heaven, when the wisdom that God placed inside of you begin to war with your fleshly desire, your worldly desire, there's a war taking place in heaven, which is inside of you, which is inside of your consciousness. We got to understand that this book is metaphysical. It's speaking in the spirit realm as well as in the natural, what we call the physical. So when we receive the word of truth inside of us, then Satan, those low energy, low thought vibrations, they are cast down out of us. And then that's how we raise our vibration up. If you want to look at it from a metaphysical standpoint. Everybody with me? So I got a couple more scriptures to read and then I'm going to be out of here. So as a church and as we are individually, we got to begin to walk and we got to begin to take personal inventory of who we are and where we are at when the thing is relationship with God. And it's very important. It's very important. You do not want to be a castaway in the hour in which we're living in. Y'all are going to see a whole lot of negative stuff take place in our realm. All right? These devils, they're working overtime. They're trying to do a whole game check. If you don't believe what I'm saying, start researching things about the Great Reset. They already ran in place. This thing just didn't start now. There was an alarm that was sounded back in 2017 when Trump was in office, and I preached on this before. He recognized the end of the 400 years of blacks, uh, 400 years of blacks' contribution in here to America, right? I think it was H.R. Bill 1242, if I'm correct. To the elites, that meant one thing. To us, it meant something totally different. What it meant that from 1619 to 2019 was the end of our 400-year captivity over here in America. Because whether you believe it or not, because your preachers failed you by not teaching you the truth, is the children of Israel is not over there in Israel right now. The Jewish people are not the children of Israel. The children of Israel are scattered throughout the four corners of the earth. The children of Israel were brought over here to America on slave ships. They ain't going to teach you this in theologian school. They ain't going to teach you this in regular school. But it's the truth. And when you can back it up with academia and show you the proof of what's being said, it's all I need, bro. It's all I need. And once you understand that you're connected to this book more than they ever taught you, ain't no way in the world, this world, this man system, any of that stuff can oppress you anymore. That's your liberty. That's your freedom. You ain't got to bow down to Hashitan or his workers of iniquity no more. All right? So... Understand that. We got to get to a place to understand who we are in God. Because there's a paradigm shift coming on. As we begin to wake up to the knowledge of who we are, Ezekiel 20, uh, Ezekiel 37, I believe, the Valley of Dry Bones, waking up. That's symbolic of the last days. Okay? As we wake up from our, our spiritual nap and come back to the knowledge of who we are on this earth, then the wicked ones are going to go back to the mindset that they had. You understand? All that stuff they taught us in history, they're going to go back and they're going to take on that old beastly, animalistic mindset. You understand that? And that's going to end up uh, leading to what we call race war, if you want to call it that. But it's spiritual. It's spiritual more than anything. So we've got to be mindful of that in the hour that we're living in. 
So go, yeah, go research the, 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 the past. That's why I say it's very important that the prophetic voice remains in the house because it's going to send forth warnings. Everybody understand that? Last time I preached here, I preached about the war on the image of God. All right? That was going to be my next message, the war on the image of God, and point out the things that's going on. But we got to be built in, internally, internally, so that we can sustain the external forces that's coming at us. All right, so I'm going to give you these last two scriptures and we're going and I'm going to close out my message. Let's go to 2 Timothy 1 and 7. And just to give comfort to who we are as believers and understand, dude, start taking your salvation and your walk with God seriously. Y'all understand that? Because I'm going to tell you, only time you're going to see these church houses uh, full and packed is when these things begin to fall upon the earth. And all these people that took church lightly, the ones that um been playing games, the ones that ain't even saved, yeah, they're going to come. They're going to be seeking out people that got ears to hear and eyes to see. They're going to understand how can we get through this. You know what I mean? So don't worry. That's coming. Our destruction must come before deliverance. So that's coming. All right? But God told us, uh, 2 Timothy verse 1 and 7, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We got to become to where we have a sound mind inside of us. That we no longer carry it to and fro by every um, doctrine of man. Because when you break it down, church, every religion ever created on this planet was created by man. Every religion falls under the umbrella of the harlot, which is the Roman Catholic Church. All right. All these Protestant religions understand what the word protest means. Protestant religions means that they're protesting Roman Catholic doctrine. Right. But who was their first schoolmaster? The Roman Catholic doctrine. And you can't get far from your foundational teaching. What's going to happen in the end days? All of these religions are going to come back under the same umbrella. And they're going to have a one world religion. I'm giving you markers to be looking for. Already in Israel right now, the Jewish people are claiming that their Messiah has already came. So while you're sleeping on your social media, playing your video games, we already venturing closer and closer to the tribulation. They already go, go Google it. Go look up this dude named um, Yanuka. Yanuka, Y-A-N-U-K-A. He's over there performing miracles. Got a big gathering. They're trying to claim him as the Jewish Messiah. While you sleep, that's what's been going on. Keep sleeping. Sound mind in these days. They're going to carry forth their great reset. Your money, your fiat currency ain't going to be worth nothing shortly. Everything's going to be digital. Are you preparing yourself for that? I read a news article um, past week where they're talking about giving reparations to Africa. Crazy stuff. I flooded. I ain't going to get into that. I ain't going to get into that. Let me stay focused. Let me stay focused. Sound mind. Let me give you my last scripture for today. Because I want to give you I want to give you some encouragement with this. And the reason why it was very important that I break that logic down about what took place in the garden because that bloodline of the serpent race that God's people been warring with since the garden 
is going to come to a culmination or accumulation in, in Revelations, which is the end. It's going to give you a whole new perspective. Go back and read Revelation. Go back and read uh, 11, Revelation 12 about the woman and the dragon. You're thinking that the dragon is Satan. But you don't understand. When the Bible gave that dragon a color, which is red, that was a significance. And the next time I come, hopefully, God give it to me, we're going to break down who that red dragon is. Because <laughs> that red dragon is operating in the world right now. And guess who his target is? You. The seed and the descendants of the woman seed. You are the target. Let me read James and get out of here. So James, chapter 4, verse 7. When I woke up out my, my, my sleep, I realized that this whole Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, is tied to each other. Everything is predicated on cause and effect. So now when I study the Bible, it's like a movie being played in my mind. And I'm seeing everything. Every actor, every character, see it all playing out. Because you got to get the understanding. From the end of the book of Malachi to the beginning of the Gospels. If you get a regular King James Bible, there's 400 years of history missing. But if you go get a King James Bible that has an apocrypha in it, you're going to realize that First and Second Maccabees speaks of the Grecian captivity of Israel, and it's going to set up the plot so you can understand who the characters that was operating in Judea when the time Christ came on the scene. <laughs> You're going to understand why Christ got mad when he went up into the uh, temple and he saw the money changers. Why? Because that usury and that money changer system is what evolved into the Federal Reserve System that operates in the world right now. He knew Satan was going to use the monetary system to ensnare the whole planet. <laughs> Got to make the connection. Let's get this. James chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God. <clears throat> And he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Again, God gave us the ability to have a sound mind. A lot of us right now, we are battling within ourselves because we are double-minded. And God wants us to eliminate one of those minds and follow the one mind and be not longer double-minded. So you have to do personal inventory within yourself today. And you got to ask yourself going forward, are you being equipped for what's to come? Are you taking your walk with God seriously? Our lives on this planet is but a vapor. We're here today and we're gone tomorrow. And when we come into this realm, we're given a date which is the beginning of our life. When we leave this realm, we're given an exit date. The only thing that ever mattered is that dash between the beginning of your life and the end of your life. What legacy are you building? I'm talking to some of you older adults that's in this building. I'm talking to some of you young folk. What are you adding to your legacy of life being in this physical realm? What's going to be said about you when you're done? When the books on your life is closed. What's your dad going to say about you? 
I want you to leave this house thinking about that. I know it's holiday season. I know you're going home to eat this big meal. I know some of y'all are going to open up gifts. But I want you to really focus and concentrate on your dash. On your dash. What is your legacy going to say about you when you're done? Again, the title of my message was Let There Be Light. We're born into this darkness, but through the grace of God, <clears throat> through his blessing of salvation, through his son, Jesus Christ, we're able to um, allow the light of God to open up inside of us. I hope y'all be blessed by the reading of this word today. Y'all give God a hand clap of praise for his message. Thank you.